Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, and look who we got in today's Spotify green room. We got JT Shorter. And JT, I want to thank you and everyone else who make Lockdown Dimebacks their first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, reviewing. So thank you for listening to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Now, on today's show, we are doing the Diamondbacks end of season MLB awards. Who has been the Diamondbacks Cy Young? Who has been the Diamondbacks MVP of the season? And then we're going to wrap up the pod by playing a little snippet from the Locked On Insider with Gordon Beckham, MLB veteran, where he discusses how the Atlanta Braves were able to make it to the NLCS. So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. So let's drop that D-backs intro. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't know how well my green room listeners can hear that, but welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. We are doing the end of season MLB awards. So the first award we're doing two today, Cy Young and MVP. And I first want to start off with the Cy Young award because I feel like the MVP is the creme de la creme is the cream and potatoes. So we're going to start with Cy Young, then finish with MVP. Let's see what JT Shorter said in the green room chat. I'll let you rock recording a real pod. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, JT Shorter. We appreciate that. I think he left. It's just me out here once again. But let's talk about that Diamondback Cy Young Award winner because this wasn't that tough of a decision for me. When you look at the Diamondbacks roster, there's not too many options for a Cy Young Award winner. You would have said before the season started, Zach Allen has to be the Diamondback Cy Young winner after the 2021 season heading into the season he was the obvious choice my bold prediction entering the 2021 season was that zach allen was going to finish top three in cy young voting and not three i thought he was going to finish top two and potentially come home with the cy young award not because i think he's better than the degrom but zach allen on a team like the diamondbacks was going to get a whole lot of run they were going to put a lot of mileage probably on his body. I'm not entirely too sure just because Dimebacks were coming off a 2020 season where it was really shortened, so maybe they wouldn't have done that. But Zach Allen was by far the best pitcher on the staff, and considering he had that major league record with most consecutive starts to begin your career, allowing three earned runs or fewer, I figured it was a pretty good choice and a pretty good bet to say Zach Allen could come home with the Cy Young Award not finishing top three, but that didn't happen for him this year. He landed on the injured list three separate times, and he was just not consistent. He was actually consistently mediocre throughout the entire season, always, always sitting somewhere between like three and four runs a game, usually not going that deep into ball games either. But 
it's not really a season where I'm too concerned about for him. I think he'll be fine down the line. The other options, Luke Weaver, uh, I don't think anyone would have picked him to be the Cy Young Award winner entering the season. And I'm even less confident. Uh, I'm even less confident in Luke Weaver after watching him this year. Uh, he's really just gone with a two-pitch arsenal nowadays he really doesn't have that many secondary pitches you kind of know what he's gonna throw he's gonna throw it 90 percent of the time so Luke Weaver was someone that was on the injured list most of the year and now really only has a two-pitch arsenal he's definitely not the D-back Cy Young Award winner this year and that really leaves two candidates Madison Bumgarner and Merrill Kelly and Bumgarner is an interesting choice because he struggled to start the season the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, this is just the continuation of 2020. Bumgarner is done. He's cooked. He's washed. Well, then after that, he went on a historic start where he made everyone look foolish and had one of the best whips since the 1930s. Seriously, Madison Bumgarner went on fire after that slowish, sluggish start. Then he got hurt and he left a little bit. Then when he came back, he was good again. And then he struggled in the final few months of the season. So overall, a roller coaster ride for Mass and Bumgarner. Struggled, good, then hurt, then good, then bad again. It was an up and down season for Mass and Bumgarner. So when I look at all the candidates, when I look at all the stats and facts, the guy who I believe had to be the Cy Young of the Dimebacks this season, Merrill Kelly. And it is totally a surprise to say that because entering the season, I would not have guessed Merrill Kelly. He's someone who I had a lot of respect for after that 2020 season because he was easily the D-back second best pitcher last year, but I didn't know if that was really repeatable. I wasn't sure if it was a fluke, and then he was coming back off injury, off of surgery, and I wasn't sure what kind of performance he was going to give the D-backs, and he was a little... He, he didn't have a very high ceiling for the D-backs. He wasn't someone going out there and seven innings, 10 strikeouts, no earned runs. That's not what Merrill Kelly was. He was a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. If you had to compare him to like an NFL defense, he was a bend but don't break kind of a pitcher. He would go deep into ball games. He only had three starts the entire year where he didn't go at least five innings pitch. He wasn't killing you when he did pitch. He had a lot of solid starts. There was only three or four earned runs. Merrill Kelly led this team in starts. He pitched the most innings. He was a guy that was an innings eater, and he looked solid. There was streaks there with Merrill, Merrill Kelly where he was really good. He had, uh, I don't even know what his ERA would be, but there was probably an eight-start, nine-start streak where his ERA was in the low threes where he looked really dominant, where if you picked him up off the waiver wires in fantasy, he was seemingly getting you between 20 and 25 every game. On the season, Merrill Kelly led the team in wins, also losses, but we don't care about that. Innings, games started, or excuse me, innings and games started. FIP, batter's face, walks per nine, pitching war, home runs allowed per nine innings. Home runs allowed per nine innings. He pretty much led the team in every statistical category. He finished second in strikeouts and strikeout to walk ratio. And just overall, just had a solid season for the D-backs. He was someone that was considered a middle-to-back-end rotation starter for the D-backs. And by the end of the year, there might not be a pitcher I trusted more starting for the D-backs on the mound than Amaro Kelly. 
In 27 starts, he had 158 innings pitched. He went 7-11, 4 ERA. Shout out Jay-Z. Uh, 4-11 FIP, 163 hits allowed. 21 home runs allowed, 41 walks, 130 strikeouts, 96 ERA plus, a 1-9 whip. 9.3 hits per allowed per nine innings, 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings as well. So Merrill Kelly across the board when it comes to numbers were solid. Not bad, not good. 4-4 ERA, uh, middling strikeout rate. Like he his numbers were solid. I think by the eye test, he was better than what the numbers might suggest. I think Merrill Kelly had a pretty strong season. And right now I trust the I, I trust a Merrill Kelly to be a number three or four starter for the D-backs in the near future. I'm not sure if the D-backs want to go after another rotation guy during the offseason or promote from within. But right now, a gallon, Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, one, two, three. I'm not feeling too bad about it. I really respect what Merrill Kelly did this season. He battled through COVID. Uh, he, he was the most consistent pitcher the D-backs had. He stayed healthy pretty much the entire season outside of, outside of his battle with COVID, which you can't really control. I, I think Merrill Kelly was the most trustworthy pitcher for the D-backs this season, and that's why he's going to be my Cy Young Award winner for the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, we're going to be talking about who was the D-backs MVP for the 2021 season, but first, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your t- and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss. Let's discuss the MVP of the Arizona Diamondbacks season because I think this was another one where you really didn't have to look too hard. If you had to look at the candidates, we of course got Ketel Marte in there. I would throw a Carson Kelly as a candidate too, despite him having uh, some struggles in the middle parts of the season. Uh, I had a he had a really hot start to the year, then kind of tailed off. Eduardo Escobar would have been an MVP, probably the MVP of the D-backs if he stayed with the team, but you can't even count on Eduardo Escobar because he was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, RIP Brewers, in their playoff hopes. Paven Smith could be considered an MVP, Josh Rojas, Dalton Varsho, but really, I think we all know who the MVP of the D-backs was for the 2021 season. And it's Ketel Marte. Like, is there really anyone else you guys would have thought? Over 90 games, Ketel Marte had a 1.8 war. If you prorated that over the course of a full season, that's a 3-2-4 war. He was third on the team in war behind Escobar and Carson Kelly. So really, he was second in war because you can't even count an Escobar, who is no longer worth the team. Uh, if you just looked at his offensive war, it was a 3.4. Uh, and that's pretty good. A 3.4 war in only 90 games is pretty elite. If you made that a full season, it's a 6-1-2, which would be one of the best marks in baseball. Keto Marte had an 
elite, an elite offensive season. It basically felt like whenever Ketel Marte was healthy and playing in these ball games, he was a surefire hit. Like basically when he came back from injury that first time, he got a hit and like uh, it felt like 20 of his first 25 games he got a hit. Uh, and if you looked at his uh, if you looked at his game log, it backs it up. At one point he had an 11 game hitting streak. Uh, at one point he had a 19 game on base streak like Ketel Marte had a really really strong season and his final numbers in 340 at bats 52 runs 29 doubles one triple 14 home runs 50 ribbies 31 walks 60 strikeouts and 108 total hits he batted 318 which was not a fluky 318 even though he only played in 90 games and only had 340 at bats, which is still a decent amount. That 318 was not fluky. If he if he had 500 at bats, I totally believe he still would have been in that 315 to 322 range. Kelton Marte tore the cover off the ball whenever he stepped on the field. That 377 OBP was a huge improvement from 2020. He just didn't get on base enough. He seemed to strike out so much, and I just he just didn't seem confident in the plate last year. Totally different Ketel Marte this year. Whenever he was at the plate, he seemed locked in, and he was ready to go. Uh, missiles off the bat his entire season. 532 slugging for a 909 OPS, 143 OPS plus, 100 it is average. That 909 OPS is really impressive too, not just because of that OBP, but his 532 slugging is absolutely insane, especially those last two months. It felt like Ketel Marte was really getting a power surge going, not only with the home runs, but just the extra base hits overall. Ketel Marte had a really strong 2021 season. I think it's going to go forgotten because it's not like he's going to rack up any MVP votes. He was on arguably the worst team in baseball. Obviously, the D-backs finish with the second worst record, so you can't say they're the worst team in baseball, but they had the worst record in baseball going into the last day. So I think they're still in the conversation. Everyone knew how good Ketel Marte. Well, everyone knows how good Ketel Marte is. You know that by the fact that every time I do a crossover with the lockdown host, one of the first couple questions they ask me is, when are we trading for Ketel Marte and what would it take? I tell everyone, Ketel Marte isn't going anywhere. The D-backs have him locked up for another couple seasons. They have his arbitration as well. Ketel Marte should be the face of the franchise for the next 10 years. Will the D-backs do that? I'm not too sure. I actually don't trust Mike Hazen uh, that much. I think Mike Hazen has been a little overrated as the D-backs GM. Just go back and look at some of his moves. Uh, are we really loving that Zach Rankin? trade we'll see if the pieces work out do we love the Paul Goldschmidt trade uh yeah there's a lot of questions I love that he got Zach Gallon and just the overall Mike Hazen experience I mean drafted Paven Smith who I like Paven Smith but a first round pick Paven Smith I'm not too sure about that either the 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 Mike Hazen experience I think I, I think the perception of Mike Hazen I think he has a pretty high Q rating. I think people like Hazen and think he's a good GM, but I think I still have more questions than maybe the general public does when it comes to Mike Hazen. So I still want to see what he does in the offseason. I'm not sure if he's limited by his owner. That's the reason why he doesn't seem to spend money in the right places. And if you don't want to spend money, that's okay because I think you don't have to spend money to build a good team. You just have to, if you're going to 
go with the cheap bargain players. You have to find the right value, like a Giants did with a Logan Webb, like a Red Sox were able to do with a Kike. You got to be able to find the right value and do the 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 scouting from the D-backs when it comes to finding these offseason pieces has just not worked out. Whenever they sign these cheap players, they get cheap production. Where as opposed to the Giants or Red Sox who are signing cheap players are getting elite production. So maybe it's the value system and the scouting of Mike Hazen in that front office. But that was a little tangent there about Mike Hazen. But overall, Ketel Marte is the MVP of the D-backs for the 2021 season. And you know what else helps you become an MVP if you're an athlete? A Bilt Bar because Bilt Bar comes in so many delicious flavors they got coconut cherry bar sea raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel they got a flavor for everyone and the reason why i love bill bar is because it's healthy i'm a health conscious guy and the reason why i love bill bar is because i have a sweet tooth that bill bar helps me get over because it absolutely tricks me i think that i'm eating a candy bar when in reality i'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie low in sugar high in protein and high in fiber so it's great for that keto diet if you want your own just go to builtbar.com it's built.com use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off your next order promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Let's get back into the podcast. And once again, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, or viewing. So thank you. Lockdown Dimebacks is free and available on all platforms. Now, let's play that clip with Gordon Beckham talking about how the Braves made it to the NLCS. What's going on, everybody? I'm Daniela Bruce here with another Locked On Insider Report. Joining me right now is our Locked On MLB Insider, Gordon Beckham. Gordon, we're here to look at the Braves tonight. Braves win the NLDS, and they await the winner of the Dodgers-Giants, which is another great series. So we'll stick to the the, uh, Braves right now. The NL East was not great this season, and a lot of people wrote off whichever team was coming from this division. How did the Braves find themselves at this point? Yeah, I, I, I did some commenting um, on the on this team throughout the season because I live here in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I got to watch them kind of up close and personal. And, and they were not a team that was going to make it to the playoffs in, in yeah. late July. And then all of a sudden, Alex Anthopoulos goes out and he basically makes trades. Uh, one trade to get a bullpen arm, but more, more so to just – bolster their lineup and they got some veteran guys back in there. They got Jorge Soler and they got Duvall back. Um, And he's played great in a Braves uniform ever since he's been there. But um, Duvall showed up, excuse me, uh, Duvall Duvall was really good down the stretch. Their lineup just got really good because they were having at bats. Like they weren't allowing the pitchers or the the opposing teams Mm -hmm. to have easy, cheap outs. They were making them work. They were making them work in the zone uh, they were not chasing a lot. They just had great at-bats from top to bottom. Obviously, the pitching staff did really well, uh, too. But I think the biggest change was just adding some guns to that lineup. And they they definitely just changed the dynamic of that team because they just started having great at-bat after great at-bat. And that wears on pitchers. And when they do that, that's that's how they were able to just kind of sneak into the playoffs. But mm-hmm. such a good team. I like it. 
and and they're they're led by Brian Sicker, who's such a good manager. I mean, he just really controls the room really well, and uh, the guys respect him. And so when they got that lineup, and the pitchers kept doing what they were supposed to be doing, uh, things started clicking, and they just took down you know a really really good team in the Brewers, and and did it in four games. It's impressive. So, Gordon, the Braves won 88 games this season, and you just listed a lot of reasons that they were probably better in the postseason than they were in the regular season. Do you just believe that when you make some changes to the lineup, when your pitching's doing really well, that it provides a spark, or was something done drastically different when it comes to coaching? No, I, I think I think Snit uh, did a good job of not mm-hmm. not going crazy. I mean, because they right. really had a kind of an up and down first half, and nobody in the NL East was really uh, taking the ball and running with it. So mm-hmm. um, he just hung in there. It was just kind of a battle of uh, battle of will to stay in the hunt. And because they just were not they were not fun to watch. They weren't a great team early on, but then all of a sudden they just kind of kept. Uh, just slow momentum, slow, you know, slowly getting a little bit better every day. And, and by, I mean, they're, they're infielders. I mean, all of them had monster years, big Homer years, um, hit, hit a lot of RBIs, you know, drove in a lot of RBIs. I mean, they were just a really special group, uh, that ended up coming out of, uh, what people thought was just going to be a, uh, a throwaway year for the Braves. So, um, it's, it's impressive to see what they've done. Um, and I don't think that, I think they're going to be a formidable op- opponent and I know we're going to talk more about it, but, um, they, they are trending in the right direction. We talk a lot about momentum. They are, they have the momentum Freddie Freeman with a huge blast tonight to get them over the top against a, uh, probably the best closer in the league and, and Josh Hader. So, um, it was a, a, a fun game to watch and, uh, as a kind of a closet Braves fan growing up in Atlanta, it was, uh, it was good to see them advance. Well, on the other side of things, the Brewers only scored six runs through four games. What happened to their offense? I, they ran into a little bit of a bus off the Braves. I mean, the Braves, the, those guys have been the starting pitching for the Braves has been really good. And 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 in spurts, their bullpen has been really solid. So I, I think that they just ran into a team that's a little bit hotter than them. They had to work a little bit harder to get into the postseason than the Brewers did. And we talk a lot about it. Momentum is key. And the Braves just started trending in that direction. And uh, Brewers had a few days off, won the, you know, I think they won the first game and then lost the next three. I mean, it, you know, it can happen quick in this in this league. And this, uh, they just didn't have it. They just didn't have what they had most of the year. And um, the Braves took advantage of it. Okay, Gordon, as a closet Braves fan, you're obviously going to be rooting for them to move forward. And they're going to play either the Dodgers or the Giants coming up in the NLCS. Which team is the better matchup for the Braves? I, I don't think the Braves want to see either one. I mean, obviously <laughs> these guys, these guys are behemoths out there in the in the NL West. I mean, they are just really good. I mean, they won one up like 108 or 107 games. It doesn't really matter. They were well over the hundred mark, and um, they they were having to do it all season long to try to make sure the Giants, especially, to keep the Dodgers away from uh, gaining first place and getting uh, the the first seed in the, in the playoffs. So these guys have been doing it more than the Braves have. Uh, and they ran away with these divisions. I mean, they would have had the best records if they had been in any other division. Um, so I think that the Braves are going to have their hands full, but like I said, it just doesn't really matter when you start getting a little bit of momentum um, and you start feeling that, Hey, you know, in the locker room, in the clubhouse that, Hey, we, we've got a chance to do something special. That, that really just starts to, you know, it, it matriculates, excuse me. Um, um, it, and just keeps on flowing. And, and that's the, that's the beauty about baseball. It just kind of 
just happens. Well, I'm looking forward to see what the Braves can do as well, Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us to discuss this game. And of course, we will be locked on right here for all of MLB playoff information. For more insider analysis and local experts, check out your local Locked On podcast for more. Locked On, your team every day. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's episode. Hoping to get Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants on the next podcast to talk about the end of the season to the LA Dodgers and how he's feeling right now, like how we did a therapy session with Yuli Sembrano of Locked On Rays last week. We hope to do that with Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants, so stay tuned for that. Once again, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Now make Locked On LB your second listen with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. And remember to come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. As always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuce 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 and stay healthy.